all of our volunteers have have full-time jobs are working in healthcare and or you know have great demands on them but they're all stepping up to help the community so it's it's while work conditions stress are high we're all there for the right reason is to help our patients and communities you're listening to the pharmacy podcast network You are listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. This podcast is developed in collaboration with the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy and their Flip the Pharmacy team and paid for through CDC grant funding provided by the Pennsylvania Department of Health to the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, broadcasted exclusively on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Beyond the SIG, your prescription for transformative community pharmacy care. My name is Brooke Kalusich, and I am a third-year student pharmacist at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy. Today, I am joined by two very special guests from Skipack Pharmacy in Swanksville, Pennsylvania. Skipack is a PPCN pharmacy and a Flip the Pharmacy participant. But recently, this independent has been making national headlines, recently featured on Good Morning America for holding mass vaccine clinics. You might recognize its owner as the pharmacist in a superhero costume. But today, we are going to speak with two members of the Skipback team who have been working behind the scenes to help Skipback pull off numerous successful mass COVID vaccine clinics. We welcome Skipac Pharmacy Intern Erica Mabry and American Pharmacists Association Chief of Governance and State Affiliates and Executive Director of the APHA Foundation, Mitch Rothholz, who is the policy lead for immunizations for the profession of pharmacy. So it's really great to have you both. I'm looking forward to hearing your story today. Thank you so much for having us today, Brooke. Yes, thank you, Brooke. So let's get started here. Would you both please just introduce yourselves to our audience and and give us a little more context on your professional backgrounds. Erica, if you want to start and then we'll let Mitch answer. Absolutely. So uh, like you said, my name is Erica Mabry. I am a fourth year pharmacy student at the Wilkes University Nesbitt School of Pharmacy. So I'm super excited to be on rotations right now, but I've also been able to work in the community pharmacy setting throughout my time in pharmacy school. And I'm currently a pharmacy intern at Skipback Pharmacy. Um, I actually started there after I did a AFI rotation uh, with Dr. Mack at Skipback and I hopped on as an intern and it's been absolutely awesome since. So it's been great to meet him and so many other people within the profession like Mitch, uh, where we can really help our patients out in the community. Okay, and I'm Mitch Rothholz, as as, uh, Brooke introduced. I work for the American Pharmacists Association. I am a pharmacist, a graduate of the University of Florida College of Pharmacy, been working at APHA for 26 years. And from the very beginning of my time at APHA, I was at the ground level of um, positioning pharmacists as vaccine immunizers, um, working with uh, CDC, HHS, and other stakeholders in positioning pharmacists as valuable members of the immunization neighborhood. 
Um, before coming to APHA, I was also uh, the state exec in the state of Alabama, as well as worked for the uh, Florida Pharmacy Association. And you may wonder, you know, how did I get hooked with uh, Skipback Pharmacy and, and the great team in our community? Well, I, I live in the community. And when uh, the pharmacy was getting uh, notified that they were going to be accessing uh, vaccines, um, Dr. Mack uh, reached out to me, who I had um, heard about through my wife, who's also a pharmacist. They both graduated from the same uh, school of pharmacy. And uh, she was telling me all about the great things he was doing of going in and serving the needs of his, his, um, his customers, going into their homes and so forth. And I also gave him an award uh, from APHA about three years ago uh, for the Immunization Champion Awards. And so that's how I first became no, uh, aware of the stuff he was doing. And when he uh, purchased Get Back Pharmacy and, and started doing what he was, and he was getting the COVID vaccine, uh, he reached out and said, can I help um, with the effort? Uh, and so here I am working with a great team within the community. Great. Thank you both. Yeah. So when this interview was first proposed to me, my initial thought was, wow, this is sort of an unlikely combination uh, of people, but it's so interesting to, to see how the two of you with such unique backgrounds have, have really been able to join forces in these efforts. So let's get a little more background. I'll direct this one to Erica as you've been with Skip Back a little longer. And now you've taken on this huge leadership role in, in coordinating the mass vaccine clinics. Can you tell us a little more about your practice site at Skip Back Pharmacy? Like what sorts of services do you provide? What patients do you serve? And, and how have you been implementing practice transformation, especially in this last year with COVID-19? Absolutely. Yeah. So Skipback Pharmacy has actually been around for many years and has been a huge staple in the community. However, like a lot of independent pharmacies recently, unfortunately, they were shut down. Um, but Dr. Mack is actually has lived in the area and he knew about Skipback and saw what happened and was really devastated by it. So he actually took the step to buy the pharmacy and open it back up. Um, since then, he's been able to really bring some fresh ideas to practice here, and it's really helped to bring the community back to the pharmacy and make it a staple of the community again. So um, I actually just joined on back in, I think, like October or November. Um, I started back up with the pharmacy. I was there on a appy rotation for my community pharmacy rotation. Um, and I loved it so much. And he asked me to stick on as an intern and I did. And I've been so grateful that I have because I've been able to even implement some practice changing um, initiatives at the pharmacy. So he really is able to let students do what they want. He's been uh, helping to precept a lot of pharmacy students. So what we do is we come in with some great ideas, cool things that we've learned in school or things that we've seen other pharmacies doing or have heard with our friends. And he lets us take that idea and kind of just run with it and make it our own project and work to really better the community. Um, we've also been partners with Flip the Pharmacy and the Pennsylvania Pharmacist Care Network. So that's been super helpful as well to really um, bring in some more ideas and how we can really help uh, our community better. So we've done things like gone out um, and done at home uh, immunizations for like flu shots and things like that. And I think recently it's been it's been a little tough with the pandemic, but uh, we're still looking to implement as much as we can to really help our patients. 
Thanks, Erica. Yeah, I mean, as a student pharmacist intern myself, I can I can definitely relate to how your pharmacy has had to kind of pivot your focus over the last year. But wow, how impressive you've been able to take this on as a student and and your efforts have been recognized nationally. Now, Mitch, you've spent the last year advising national vaccination efforts. And now you're putting your white coat back on and, and joining Skipack on the front line. So from your national standpoint, how have you seen community pharmacies like Skipback implement practice transformation? And, and how is APHA supporting some of those efforts on a national scale? So APHA has been focused on um, efforts to obtain provider status and provider status in two different uh, ways. One is uh, increasing the scope of authority and practice uh, for pharmacists to really optimize their training and knowledge to benefit the health of individuals and, and communities. Uh, the second is uh, provider status from the perspective of payment, payment reform that uh, uh, has a mechanism for pharmacists to get compensated and reimbursed for the patient care services that they provide. So we started in immunizations 26 years ago, and that's and it served as a model for us really to get uh, recognition for the patient care that pharmacists provide every day, and really has has served as a uh, a diving board for us moving into as a profession into other care delivery uh, mechanisms. And so through immunizations in general. Uh, pharmacists have been compensated for providing those services, just like any other provider, whether it be a physician, a nurse, or other healthcare provider on the team uh, in the area of immunization. So when, when COVID came about, we were already um, trained to do immunizations across the lifespan. And it was something that APHA really deliberately put in place 20, 20, over 20 years ago when we developed the, the training program in that we wanted pharmacists to be knowledgeable across the lifespan and to serve as one of three roles uh, for their communities, as an educator, as a facilitator, so working with other healthcare professionals who can come into our practices and do immunizations, and then also getting the authority to provide immunizations. The challenge we've had is that every state is different. And so we're dealing with 52 different jurisdictions, because uh, I also include DC and Puerto Rico in, in the, that account, that but every jurisdiction has different nuances. And we're also seeing that play out again in COVID. So it's, it's, not, it's something that we're not foreign to, but we had prior to COVID had trained more than 350,000 pharmacists to do immunizations. Since COVID, that number has jumped up to over 400,000 pharmacists and more than 20,000 technicians have been trained to provide immunizations. And so from the healthcare professions, we felt very confident that pharmacists were ready, willing, and able to serve the needs. And part of it also supports a, a, a term that we developed several years ago called the immunization neighborhood, which is really the three C's, collaboration, coordination, and communication among stakeholders who are dedicated to improving the health of their, their community through immunizations, as well as individuals preventing uh, vaccine preventable diseases. And so you could take that whole concept uh, from immunizations and put any other kind of disease state to that and using that same approach can, can build the collaboration within your community that pharmacists are engaged and active members of the care delivery team. So that transformation 
dealing with authority, payment, and collaboration with stakeholders is what will continue to drive us in a greater expanded role for patient care. And of course, you know, from APHA perspective, payment reform is, is significant for us to be able to continue to provide these services. And it's one of our advocacy points that we're really playing home hard right now in the COVID environment, because at this time where the community-based practitioners are so important during a pandemic, we've got to make sure that our policies don't take away from the ability for those community-based providers to be sustainable in those communities. We need community-based providers, so we we need to be putting money into the infrastructure versus taking it out and sending it outside of the communities. Um, and so that's an important part of it too. And I'm sure we'll talk later on in our discussion about the whole issue in terms of access to, to vaccine, but we are all advocating that any pharmacy, any pharmacist who is ready, willing, and able to provide vaccinations has the ability to do that. Yeah, so much of the progress our profession has made over the last 20 plus years, and especially in the last year alone, we really owe to the efforts of APHA. But it's really interesting to see how both of your perspectives, while very unique, really bring something special to the Skip Act team in this time of need. Now, you've both been on the front lines of these clinics, recently administering your 10,000 vaccine. Can you walk us through sort of what these clinics look like? What has been your process for organizing these clinics in your community? I think that these clinics have been not what we expected. They've been even better than that. So um, before we even got the vaccines, the planning started. And what was really cool was I was able to be part of it as a pharmacy student. So I've brought some ideas on how we're going to work with the flow of this and all the training that had to be done and things like that. So we wanted to make sure all our ducks were in a row before we even got the vaccine, um, which I think really helped us to get a kickstart on these mass vaccination clinics that we've been doing. From there, it was really getting the people um, so Skip Back Pharmacy is a small independent pharmacy. We have Mac, um, who is our head pharmacist, and then we have a full-time uh, pharmacy technician. But then other than that, he has some part-time help, and that's really it. So it's been a huge community effort as well. We've had so many volunteers come in and help us um, in these vaccination efforts, and that's really how we've been able to roll these out and get so many vaccines into so many arms in our community. Um, so that's definitely been absolutely amazing to, to see the community come together um, and since COVID, the community's really been apart. Montgomery County was hit really hard in the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I was up at school and I was even kind of afraid to come home because of how the numbers were. But now seeing how we've transformed from being so scared of this virus and how, how we were at such a low point, now seeing the hope and the excitement that people have to come help protect our community and help others by getting these vaccines out into our community. It's been absolutely amazing. So um, they've been pretty big clinics. This past weekend, we've actually done uh, close to 3000 in one day and we keep moving towards a higher number. And that just comes with um, the community really wanting this and needing this and wanting to help as well. 
Yeah, it's it's really incredible to to hear about the effort of you and your pharmacy team and the volunteers and the impact uh, you've had on on your community and and yeah, while in COVID times we've technically all been apart, it's really shown how the community can come together. Mitch, do you have anything to add about how you've seen the community kind of rally together in this fight against COVID? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Brooke. I, I you know, and building off of what Eric had said, what what really has has just amazed me but 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 gave me such great warmth was that the what i've been working for in my career on on the part of the profession can really be seen in this in these clinics um where the immunization neighborhood has truly come together where where pharmacists nurse practitioners physicians and other medical uh, personnel are working side by side as a team there's no you know no hierarchy in terms of you're this practitioner or that practitioner. It's what can everybody do? What does everybody need to do in order to protect our communities? And, and that's what has been so rewarding to see. As Erica said, the way the, these clinics are being able to be successful is that collaboration and problem solving as, you know, things will arise that, that may be, be different. You know, the big challenge for a lot of uh, practice, practices that do get access to the vaccine um, has been not knowing when and how much you're going to get. And a lot of the, the early uh, clinics were really quick turnarounds because we all of a sudden got notified or, or, or Skip Back Pharmacy got notified they were getting vaccine, schedule the clinic, get the volunteers, and get moving on it. And that has been what has been successful. It wasn't for the, the volunteers, and I'm just a volunteer, um, but it's, it's another way of giving back to what I've had my career around is, is helping community and, and public health. Um, and I've also just been working with Mac. I've also um, gotten uh, contact from other pharmacies asking for, for consultation and guidance on, on their activities as well. This is all boats, you know, rising here. It's, it's the whole profession. And we're all focused on making sure that the profession comes out looking good and, and this will lead to other opportunities. And so for the audience that's listening to this, you know, we're all trying to also deal with the challenge of getting those who are ready and able to vaccinate, get them the vaccine. And from a national perspective and a, a local perspective, working with, with PPA, we are all um, advocating for that to happen. So it's frustrating right now of who has access to it, but those who have access to it, we need to support so that they're successful. And then as supply increases, the plan is from a national level is for everybody who wants to to get vaccine and be able to deliver it that's at least what the administration is saying that's what we are hearing in our conversations you know one of your questions you asked brooke in terms of how the process for making this happen we have a, a plan a layout that we utilize so that it runs efficiently where we've got individuals who are focused on pulling up the doses preparing the doses and then delivering them to each of the individual vaccination stations so that the individual who is vaccinating isn't having to worry about manipulation of the vials and drawing it up. It's being done at a central table and it gets delivered to the table in a timely manner. So the process that we've been able to do has, has worked in the big clinics uh, that we've had. Yeah, that's, that's so wonderful. And 
I've seen this at my own practice site and I, and I never fail to be amazed at just how appreciative our patients are and, and how ready and willing the volunteers are to step up and, and give something back to their beloved community pharmacy. So we have all seen Skip Back Pharmacy on national news and on, on social media, but one thing we don't always see are those rich patient stories. Have either of you had any meaningful patient encounters or has someone made a comment that, that might have stuck during these clinics? I think that um, both of us have really been involved in the, the getting the vaccine and uh, working to dilute it and everything. So our patient interaction hasn't been huge, but the interaction that we have had has been so meaningful to me at least. Um, and I'm sure Mitch can say the same thing. I have been able to vaccinate as well, which has been something that I wasn't expecting to do as a pharmacy intern. Um, so that's one thing that, one good thing that has come out of the pandemic is that I've been able to really put my vac vaccination skills into practice and, um, I've even been able to vaccinate my own grandparents, which was definitely, I think, the highlight of my entire pharmacy career because they were able to see me, their granddaughter, doing something that I love. And it, it brought tears to my grandparents' eyes and tears to my eyes, um, knowing that I can protect them in this kind of way. But we've heard so many amazing stories from a young woman who was going through dialysis and hasn't really left her house except for her dialysis treatments and getting this vaccine um, to grandparents who are finally able to hold their first grand granddaughter um, and finally see her for the first time. So these things have just really filled my heart with joy um, to see that this is giving so much hope to people. And honestly, the best comments that I have gotten from others are just thank yous. And they're not just a, hey, thanks, but a really sincere from the heart thank you. Um, and that's just been something that's stuck with me uh, throughout the entire process, whether it's me giving them the vaccine or sitting at our table, drawing up the doses. And as they pass by, they say, thank you so much for all that you're doing for our community. And I think that's really stuck with me. Aunt Erica's story, I mean, our first clinic was in the snowstorm and people waited for an hour in the snow waiting to get vaccinated and nobody was complaining. And that just was amazing to me that people would would be, you know, have that, that attitude, which was awesome. Uh, I think the other thing is seeing patients after they get vaccinated, because the way we set up the, the drawing table is we could see all the, the vaccination stations. And so we we can also monitor what's going on in the room. Um, and just seeing patients just break down in tears after they get their vaccine, it, it just, it, to, it tears, tears me up just seeing that. And, and I'll give you one story that happened this past Sunday um, in our clinic. Um, I have a 10-year-old son who has Down syndrome and we're very active in the disability community. Um, it's, it's one of the activities we do in the community. And one of the last individuals to get vaccinated in that clinic on Sunday was a young man with, with Down syndrome. And Sunday happened to be World Down Syndrome Day. And we typically go out, my wife and I and our family go out into the community and, and do things in the community on behalf of, of celebrating Down syndrome, World Down Syndrome Day. And so to have the last person in the clinic who got vaccinated that day be somebody with Down syndrome just, just hit me you know, and I, I, I had to step away because I got emotional. Um, but that that's the value of what we do 
for our, our patients and our community that really makes all of this worthwhile. And, and all of the you know healthcare providers in the healthcare system, all of our volunteers have have full time jobs, are working in healthcare, and or you know have great demands on them, but they're all stepping up to help the community. So it's it's while work conditions, stress are high, we're all there for the right reason is to help our patients and communities. Wow. Yeah, stories like that are, are really why we do what we do. And, and that 10,000 vaccines, it's not just a number. They are 10,000 opportunities for pharmacists to provide the patient care that we're trained to provide. So while COVID has presented all kinds of, of challenges, it's really highlighted why practice transformation in the community pharmacy is so necessary. Can both of you speak to that? Why is practice transformation going to be so critical for the future of our profession? Um, healthcare post-COVID is going to be different. There's going to be a new norm for a lot of things and healthcare being one. And one of the things that we have already started doing, and I say we, APHA, but the other pharma, national pharmacy organizations and state pharmacy organizations are now starting to have that dialogue and discussion with the policymakers about the additional authorities that we've been able to get under COVID and which ones can we maintain and sustain post-COVID that, that optimize the utilization of pharmacists, patient care skills and services um, and that's what we're, we're, we're really advocating for, the expanded immunization authority, the use of telehealth, the ability for pharmacists to do testing and screening, um, as well as try to address some of what I'll call antiquated um, pharmacy practice laws and regulations. There's gonna be discussions about those and really talk about. But one of the other things too, as I mentioned earlier, we wanna also change policies that are detrimental uh, to the sustainability of community-based practitioners, whether it be pharmacy, whether it be medicine, whether it be other uh, providers in the community. We really need to look at that because I think, again, the pandemic gave us you know, insight in terms of how important community-based accessible practitioners are, especially in emergencies. I'm so excited to hear about all this happening because I'm going to become a pharmacist in just a few months. So this is really exciting to see that we're going to be able to transform our practice as pharmacists. And I think we have seen how critical it is, especially with this pandemic. We are the most accessible healthcare provider. And I think that people now see that and recognize that because of our efforts during the pandemic. So I'm excited to hear that we're really moving forward in order to keep this going. Um, even if it is a new normal after the pandemic is ended, um, I think that pharmacists are going to play a huge role in that. So I'm really excited to be part of this. Yeah, and as students, Erica, you and I will be directly impacted by, by all of these new initiatives once we start off as pharmacists in, in the coming months and years. Speaking of the future of our profession, I, I guess I selfishly want to get your take on on where and how students can get involved in these efforts and why would this be important? I think this is huge. We are the future of pharmacy. That's why it's so important for us to be involved. These are practice changing things that are happening and 
And it's good to get that hands-on experience. While we learn so much in school, I feel like we learn best by doing. So really getting out there and performing these things is going to help us learn and grow and become the best that we can be to further our profession and further help our patients. Um, for a student, getting involved, just, just go ask. Ask if I can try this or if you have some ideas, ask if you can try implementing them. I had a few ideas back in December um, before we even got the vaccines or found out if we were getting them or anything. And um, I spoke with Dr. Mack and he said, let's go for it. Let's figure out how we can do all this logistically and everything. So I just kind of went for it. And I think that's a huge thing. Just take that leap, take that chance. Um, if you're offered an opportunity to do something, go for it. And I think advice from a student to a preceptor is to let us try. Again, we learn best by doing and we are the future of pharmacy. So give us a chance and mentor us through it. Give us some good communication um, and feedback. What's working well, what doesn't work well, because that's how we learn and we grow. Um, and we're going to be the ones in your shoes someday. So we need that mentorship and communication. But again, just letting us, giving us a chance and letting us try and we will learn and grow and who knows the amazing things that we'll be able to do as students. Absolutely. And you truly are a testimony to that. Mitch, do you have anything to add? So, so Eric, I really hit, hit on, on the head in terms of, you know, when you're out there doing rotations or you're doing your internship, you know, lots of practitioners um, would welcome your idea in terms of new patient care activities that really they don't have the time to, to sit down and, and put together. But if you offer that to them saying, can I work up the plan and, and work and test something, you know, you'll get, you'll get a positive response from a lot of, a lot of your preceptors, because again, they're busy. They don't have the time to think it through, but if you've got a good idea that will, will bring them more patients, bring them more business or, or care to, to the community and, and individuals, many of them will be willing to, to accept that and have you work on that. And again, these are learning labs. And, and the other thing with the, with the pandemic, these opportunities to participate in the clinics are learning labs for students. The knowledge that you get in pharmacy school, this is where you, you really get to apply it. And, and that's one of the things when we started looking at expanded authority and got from uh, the PrEP Act amendments, the ability for student pharmacists to, to do more. Um, that was important because student pharmacists are getting trained earlier in their careers to do immunizations and other, other services that they can go out and apply in the community. And this is an all hands on, on deck. And so the other message um, for students is that um, whether you're you know, in school, if you've got the weekends available, you'll volunteer to help community pharmacies who have the vaccine, even practitioners, until you get your own vaccine. One of the things we've had several uh, community pharmacists that have helped in previous clinics uh, because it also gave them an insight in terms of processes. So when they got vaccine, they knew what the process was. They were participating in it. They saw things they wanted to do in their clinics and that's helped. So, so by participating, it's helping those who have vaccine at that time but also it helps you get prepared for when you get your vaccine as well. And students are, I'm one of the biggest fans of student pharmacists because of the excitement, the innovation and creativity uh, that they have in multiple ways. 
The other thing where students could really help is messaging to, to patients and communities. Vaccine confidence is a big challenge right now across the whole system. And the more that we, and I say we, of our pharmacists, uh, student pharmacists and technicians can deliver consistent messaging to help ease concerns of the individuals we work with, that's gonna help us as a nation get to that 70 to 80% of the population getting vaccinated. And so I don't want any student to feel like they can't make an impact. They can in multiple ways. Um, you just need to, to say, yes, I wanna help and then find the opportunity. Yeah, thank you both for sharing. You you both bring such unique perspectives here from, from national association leadership to boots on the ground experience at these clinics. But I'm curious to know how this experience has changed your view of what the future of pharmacy looks like. What work needs to be done still and, and who needs to be engaged? I'm I'm excited for the future of pharmacy. I think it's looking bright. I think that while there has been a lot of devastation that has come from this pandemic, I think for the profession of pharmacy, it's been huge to highlight how much we can help and how much we are really here for our community. And I think our community members are noticing that, other healthcare professionals are noticing that. So I think we are, we're taking steps to, to all those amazing things that pharmacists can really do. And like Mitch said, we're working towards doing this post-pandemic post and keeping up um, with the ever-changing practices. For me as a student, I'm really excited uh, for the future of pharmacy to be a future pharmacist. And I think, I think we're in pretty good hands. We've, we've gotten a lot of experience now. Um, I feel so much more confident and excited um, to be out there on the front lines and to be a pharmacist in, in this ever-changing profession. So I think, I think it's looking bright. And, and to add to what Erica said, I, I think everyone who's listening to this is, is active but I think we need to, to bump up our activity in terms of support uh, for our state and national pharmacy organizations who are out there advocating for the changes that, that we need, um, fighting back on uh, bad business practices of PBMs and, and other payers and systems. That's, that's important because we need to address and remove barriers through the resources that we need to provide the, the care that we all went to pharmacy school to, to provide and that we believe our patients and communities need. And so getting involved from an advocacy perspective uh, at, your, at the state, local, state, and national level is what it's gonna take. This is a time where, as we talked earlier, the healthcare system's gonna be changing. Whether we like it or not, there's gonna be changes. And with changes, there's gonna be opportunities. You know, what we're doing during COVID vaccinations, testing, or even what, what pharmacists have done to go out of their way to make sure there was continuity of care. Those are being seen by many and we need to take advantage of it. We need to be telling our stories to the media and to legislators and policymakers. We also need to address some of the barriers in workplaces. Uh, we've got a document right now that's out there that's being open, uh, out there for open comments on, on the uh, fundamentals, the, the, the um, rights and responsibilities for pharmacists. Again, to have that dialogue to address some of the, the practice barriers 
that practitioners are, are facing, again, in order for us to optimize our ability to provide the care we, we believe that we can and should be able to provide to our patients. And, and those are things that we just need total profession engagement. The opportunity is ripe. There's gonna be changes and other professions are gonna also be trying to, to um, expand their, their scope as well. Here's our opportunity as a profession. So I encourage everybody, I was on, on a town hall meeting last night that PPA held. A lot of good discussion about things that are happening at the state level that folks you know, need to engage with and support during their legislative day visits, getting to know your legislators. The one thing that the clinics are doing is they're getting legislators out in the community to see what pharmacists can do. Build off of that, have those discussions with your decision makers because they're ultimately the ones that are gonna help move this, this to a new level. Absolutely. Mitch and Erica, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's it's really an interesting story of, of how you two have, have teamed up. And I know the audience is really going to find this get back story inspirational. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us today, Brooke. Yes, thank you for having us. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for listening to another episode of Beyond the SIG. Keep tuning in to learn more about the impactful stories shaping community pharmacy practice transformation. Thanks for listening to Beyond the SIG, a prescription for transformative pharmacy care. Be sure to check back with the Pharmacy Podcast Network soon for the next episode. To learn more about transforming the role of the pharmacist, visit pharmacists.com forward slash podcast. That's pharmacists.com forward slash podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.